Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to the book of John, John 15. If you have a paper copy, I would encourage you to keep a pen in hand. If you highlight on your app, then in a moment... We're going to really try to take a passage of scripture and connect a few things that I think are significant. But I want to begin by asking some questions, and I'm really asking that you wouldn't respond audibly. I'm going to ask that you wouldn't respond physically by raising your hand or anything like that. I just want you to meditate on this in your own mind with God. And here's the first question. Do you really want to be like Jesus? What do you think about that for a moment? That's a challenge in 2023 because what Jesus teaches is so contrary to what the world teaches. What the Word of God said is confronted in a very, very, and if I'm going to say vicious way, because the Bible says if you want to be like me, then you got to get about washing feet. You want to be like me, then you've got to be other-minded. If you want to be like me, you're going to have to die to your wants, your wills, your ways. And that's not being taught in our world. Just the opposite is. You really want to be like Jesus because you can't have both. I say it all the time. It's either Yahweh or your way. There is no other gods. There's just the real one in you. I know a lot of people want to argue that, but every day of our lives, we have to decide who gets to sit on the throne. Do you really want to be like Jesus? I mean, think about that. Truly, fully experiencing all that he has for your life. To know his will, as I said, his wants, his way. Is his kingdom what you want to live every day of your life? Or do you want him to bless your kingdom? This is a challenge because it's what I'm confronted with most when it comes to people. It's what I'm confronted most when it comes to my own life. I mean, last week we began with something that I say often, and if you've been around me, you've heard it. If you were here last week, you heard it again. It'll be up on the screen, but the two most important days of your life, say them with me. One, two, let's say it again. One, stop there. Everybody here was born of God. Every person you encounter in life was born of God. Every annoying, cantankerous person was made of God. Nobody in this room is an accident. Regardless of how you came into planet Earth, whether you know your mom and dad or not, Whether you were a child out of wedlock, put up for adoption, God's hand was all over that. 
Doesn't mean that man made the right choice. I'm just here to tell you, you were born of God. And until you square with that, you will never know what it means to have joy and peace in life. You'll always play the victim card. You'll point, it's always somebody else's fault. But when you understand, my life has God's marks all over it. But watch this. It's not just one, the day I was born. What's number two? The day I figure out why. The fact that I am born of God, I'm also born for God. You weren't late in your arrival and you were not early in it. God marked out your time and it's time that we either own the scriptures or we should start denying them. Pro, or Jeremiah 29, 11, as a verse gets quoted often, but think about it. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Psalm 37 says, I ordered your steps in the womb of your mother. I've marked out your life. You have a purpose. Your life matters to me. That's why I don't believe he's a God of opportunity. I don't believe he's a God of open doors. And when people come and ask and they ask me to pray that way, I refuse to. Pastor, would you pray that God would open some doors for my life? And I'm like, you kidding me? The day you woke up, the doors have been opened. If God would just give me this opportunity, your day, every day you breathe is an opportunity. My Bible says this. I'm not a God of opportunity to open doors. I ordered your steps. I'm a God of obedience. You don't have to walk for me. I'm asking you, will you walk with me? And there's a big difference. Fruit happens, people. I have but one, one thing that God prescribes for me today, and it's the same prescription for you. Seek first me. All this other stuff I got. I got your bills. I got your mortgage. I got your friends. I got your family. I got your marriage. I got it all. Will you seek me? Because that's what the Bible says. Why do you worry about these things? I'm the Lord, your God. Look at the flowers. They don't worry about how they look, and yet they're gorgeous. Look at the birds of the air. I feed them every day. Look at the rabbit in my backyard. It needs to meet Jesus. Hate that little thing. But <laughs> I had a conversation with God the other day. I said, dear Lord, you ain't feeding the rabbit. I am. And it's costing me a lot of money. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out if it's okay to use a pellet gun within the city limits. My labor says, that, that I, I have a live trap, he told me. He says, we can just relocate it. I started thinking about some people in my life. <laughs> kind of like that idea. So I'm hoping there's more than one rabbit. <laughs> but Jesus said, what? Why do you worry? You love me, obey. See, this is what I want to talk about because we began last week with something that's very dear to my heart. I, I could truly tell you as we launch into 2023, I'm, I'm sort of coming into it as it's time to replant a church, this church. So grateful for the days that have gone by, but there's new days before us. 
And something that is very important to me is this kingdom life. That's what we're called to live. Not an earthly life, but a kingdom life. Something that's bigger than our earthly scratch on this forever line in which we live. Thinking bigger thoughts, eternal thoughts. Something that's bigger than my life itself. Something that forefathers gave me and passed on that I need to live out and pass on to the next. And so I've spent so much time in the scriptures along with our leadership team. And we've given this years, truly. And we began it last week to help us understand that each piece, there's four of them that are biblical. That are key to living out a kingdom life. That we don't fit God into the pie chart of our life. We give him our life to the pie that he baked and created for us. See, this is what we did. Last week, we talked about the importance of encounter. If we're going to have a kingdom life, we got to really encounter Jesus, people. We got to really step up and say, I want to be born again. Christianity isn't where you take God as part of your life. You die to yours and give it to him that he resurrects a new life. That's what it means to be born again. That's why our vision is we just want people to meet Jesus. I don't want them to meet me. I don't want them to meet you. I want them to meet Jesus. Because when you meet Jesus, it changes everything. And now there's an incredible joy that they get to meet me. They get to meet you. It's a beautiful thing in the church. Jesus changes everything, folks. Life is never about here. It's all about here. We say it all the time. If you've got a problem here, it's because you've got a problem here. It's just true. This is never the problem. This isn't your marital issues. This is. This isn't your children's issues. This is. This isn't your friendship issues. This is. It's all about Jesus. But Jesus did something and he said, and it's this another piece of the pie, that if we really encounter Jesus, then we have to engage in growing. Think about this for a moment. It, it, it hurts my heart. I have to say this when I hear people who call themselves Christians say, I, I just don't read the Bible because it's hard to read. And I'm like, really? Okay, okay, okay. help me understand this. So, so Jesus came in your life and you told him you don't want to read his book. Okay, the Holy Spirit's in you who wrote the book. Yeah, but I don't understand it. Well, you're not going to understand it by not reading it. Because the Bible says when you start reading it, the Holy Spirit comes in you when you really encounter Jesus. And he said, I will teach you all things. I will show you. Bring it into remembrance. That's like taking my granddaughter and disowning her because she's four months old and she can't talk yet. Got to tell you this. So little sailors at her house yesterday. We're in the basement, TV's on, but she's kind of the focus, right? And, and our daughter, Jaden, is going, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. And she's trying to roll over. She's like four months old now, right? And she's, all of a sudden, she rolls over. And w- what's our response? Woohoo! Yeah! Because it's another step in her growth, right? But it's as normal as breathing, This little child, just as normal as breathing, something in her saying, I I need to start rolling over. And of course, grandma said, whoa, won't be long. This little one's going to be mobile. She's going to be into everything. And of course, we can't wait for that, right? 
She's giggling and starting to laugh and react with us. One of my great joys is putting on her knee and, and being so mature. <laughs> I just love it. You know, it's just beautiful. And she does it back. <laughs> of course, I know what she's thinking. I'm trying to get her to talk. She's going, ah, what an idiot. <laughs> you know, but my point, it's as natural as breathing. But here's a thought for you. If when she's four years old and we're in the basement and Jaden's going, watch, watch, she's starting to roll over. We'd all be going, whoa, 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 there's something wrong with this kid. We need to get some medical help. What's going on? This isn't normal. And yet it amazes me, people have been in the church for years and they still can't roll over or crawl. That's just odd to me. When Jesus promised what the Holy Spirit would do, so I'm, I'm forced to ask the question, maybe they encountered church, but they've not encountered Jesus yet. They, they think they get to dictate what God does in their life. They think what they're doing in the world actually matters without spending time with the one who gave them the world. That... Either they just don't believe in the word of God or something's really amiss here. And this is what I want to help you with. Why we're talking about the kingdom life. When I gave my life to Jesus, folks, I wasn't coming out spouting scripture. But there was this hunger to know it. There just was this hunger. I didn't understand it. I didn't even understand my hunger. It was just like drinking, like, like, or eating, you know, why do we feed kids what we feed them? Has everybody ever thought about that? <laughs> you know, it, like who grounds up squash? You know what I'm saying? It's just odd and it never smells good, but it's weird. Um, but that's why God gave us mothers because Kay would always test it to make sure it's okay. And I'm like, you, that's your job, not mine. <laughs> I'm going to eat healthy. Um, but folks. There's something about what God wants to get. And I want to show you that because these are decisions we have to make encountering Jesus. That's a decision we make personally, but something truly begins to happen when we make that because God has a promise that there's going to be this Holy spirit. And that's why I'm going to do it next fall. I'm doing eight weeks on the work of the Holy spirit in our lives. Because I want to help you understand this incredible, wonderful gift that God gave us and the person of the Holy Spirit. So this is just sort of a tapping, but I want you to look at someone right now and I want you to say these words, repeat after me. Look at someone, don't look at me, look at someone right now and say, it's time to step in and grow. Say it again. It's time to step in and grow. Folks, listen, when I was born again, I became a new being. But in that new being, there's now a new becoming. Let me say it again. When I was born again, I became a new being. That's what 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. But in that new being, I began a new becoming. And God cares about the becoming. It's important. In fact, look at the screen. Look what Paul says in Colossians 3. This is in the word of God. Since we have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Notice the kingdom, not in earth, not in humanness, 
Set the realities in your life on heaven, what is to come. Let heaven, the kingdom, fill your thoughts. For you have died to this life. You died to it. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust, and shameful desires. Don't be greedy for the good things this life, of this life, for that is idolatry. God, watch this, God's terrible anger will come upon those who do such things. You used to do them when your life was still part of this world. But now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old evil nature and all of its wicked deeds. In its place, I love this, in its place, you have clothed yourself with a brand new nature that is continually being renewed as you learn more and more, as you learn more and more about Christ who created this new nature within you. Here's what it says in Ephesians 4. Since you have all heard about him and have learned the truth that is in Jesus, throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and your attitude. You must display a new nature because you are a new what? person created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. So how do we do this? I want to give you three things that you need to know that are vital. If we have encountered Christ and we're really about, we want to engage in growth. God, I want to be like you. I want to become like you. We really want to. That's why I asked the question. Then there's some things we need to understand and embrace for this to happen. Here's the first you need to know. Spiritual growth requires resistance. Spiritual growth requires what? Say it. Let let me help you with this. If you're serious right now, say, I want to become like Jesus. Okay. You ready for this? Then you have to want to be challenged. And therein lies a problem because we don't like that. I don't know if you've heard, but there are three rings when it comes to marriage. Okay, there's three rings. There's the wedding ring, right? Or the engagement ring, right? Then the wedding ring and then the suffering. Okay, now, <laughs> now, now listen, listen, listen. Everybody look up here. I contend it's the suffering that makes for a great God-centered marriage. That's why we say in this church, we're not into weddings. We're not into weddings. Some of you are going, you don't do weddings? No, we don't do weddings. Oh yeah, we get a couple people on the stage and go through a bunch of words and motions. Woohoo! Okay, we're not into weddings because God's not into weddings. God's into marriage. Anybody can get married. So what I tell men, anybody can father a child. But being a dad's a whole different thing. And kids don't need fathers, they need daddies. Anybody can get married. It's probably why it's so easy to get out of it. But see, I contend it's the suffering that just maybe possibly is God endowed. And maybe why God is so good at making opposites attract. 
See, here, here's a thought. If you're right out here going, well, I know what marriage is about. You got issues. Because I contend after 33 years, I still don't know. Oh, wait a minute. I have my ideas. But if Kay subscribes to all of my ideas, I think we're going to not have a really good marriage. And then there's things that Kay does that I, I wish she wouldn't do. I know there's probably one or two things that I do that she wishes I didn't, but <laughs> times a thousand, okay? All right? I'm pretty sure that's true. But therein lies when the growth happens. See, you, you, you don't grow on the mountaintop. That, that's the joy of the victory. Tell that to any athlete who stood on a platform and received a gold. It didn't come because of ease. It became because of an incredible amount of challenge. That's just a the moment they get to enjoy it. But the suffering. See, I contend it's in there we get to grow. And by the way, the Bible says that. I'll show you. See, my natural bent, my natural want, and I think yours is too, we want to avoid all challenges, all resistance. We want ease, comfort, and convenience. And let's be honest, our world has been banking billions of dollars in supplying our demand. I, I remember when I used to get up and have to turn the channel. Anybody remember? How many remember when dad had you hold the hanger? So he could watch because he was the man of the house and was so loving and other-minded, okay? And he's like, little, little app. You know what with that? Okay, here's my point is, boy, we love remote controls, don't we? Now we can sit back. Anybody remember the clapper? I used to have to get up and, anybody remember cars without seatbelts, Okay. <laughs> What I'm saying is definitely there's some true about protection in, in that. But my goodness, folks, comfort, ease, and convenience is not biblical. Everyone knows that when a muscle doesn't experience resistance, it atrophies. I, I, I think some of you know I used to play football at a high level. And, and I'm just going to share with you. I, I want to take a page out of Reed's book because I love it when Reed does this. I, I know it's hard for you to believe that when you look at this incredible body up here. Um, so I always love it when Reed does that. This is great. And then he shows us pictures, you know. Um, but here's the deal. I used to play ball. People always ask me, well, when you played, you know, what was your 40? And how much did you lift? And, and I, I, I tell them, I, I benched about 350 and squatted 405. That, that true. Now, why am I saying that? I'm not looking for applause. I couldn't do that today. I'm sure you can easily see that. Okay. I couldn't do that today. Do you know why? Because my muscles have atrophied to continue to do that means I have to continue to challenge those muscles. They have to experience the resistance, right? Correct. I fear that the church is filled with a lot of atrophy, spiritually speaking. I just fear that. Someone once said that 
when COVID hit, what's sad is the church wasn't prepared and it should have been. That's why I say that COVID didn't change us, it exposed us. And exposure is a good thing because now we have to decide what we do with it, right? See, if we really want to grow, we have to understand that comfort shields us from growth. We have to be challenged and want to be. Look what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5. After you have suffered a little while, notice it doesn't say you might suffer, but after you have, look look what the Bible says, because we need to. Now God himself will restore and make you what? Strong, firm, and steadfast. Part of God's secret sauce in the church people is that you and I struggle with each other. Part of one of the great benefits in the church is that you and I rub one another wrong. That's one of the gifts of God. That's how we grow. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, it takes two very strong forces to come together and beat on each other so they can get strong and durable. And yet we fear it. The moment we feel like someone pushes a little against, we we just kind of push or walk away. It's like, why do we do that? You're missing one of the great gifts that God gave you, and that's the opportunity to grow. If we're going to grow and we're serious about it and we want to engage in it, it's going to require that you and I say, okay, God, challenge me. Give me some resistance to help me grow. Here's number two. Spiritual growth requires remaining. Say that with me. Remaining. Thus, we have to step in and want to be committed and have to be committed. Not only do we need to be challenged, we need to be committed. And if there's one thing missing in our world right now, It's a people that you can count on. Isn't that fair? Oh my goodness. There's way too much high on promise and low on performance. There's too much honeymoon people. Folks, does anybody understand that the honeymoon doesn't make for a marriage? And yet so many people live for it. They get all wrapped up into the wedding. They forget about what's to come and what needs to happen. I was talking to a brother the other day. I'm talking about a Christian brother. And we were sort of laughing, but I was being very serious. I said, isn't it amazing how much you'll do for your wife before you get married? And the moment you get married, you pretty much tell her, get it yourself. Oh my goodness. I left love notes on Kay's car all the time. Every morning she'd get up and there'd be a love note. Ask her if that happens in her car now. Yeah, everybody's looking at Kay, going, you poor thing, okay? But it's true, isn't it? Oh my goodness. It's almost like we're being dishonest. We open doors, we're like, whatever you need, I'll rub your back. Then we get married, it's like bagging a deer. We put it up on the trophy cat and go, okay, now what next? You know, and, it's, and I'm not trying to be funny, I'm being honest. And I wonder if we get excited about the altar when we come to meet Jesus, but we fail to let him alter us after we leave it and go out and stay committed. Folks, we need people who can be counted on. Listen to this carefully. Our talk means very little to God. Our walk means everything to him. Anyone can talk a good game, and sadly, most do. But I like what Theodore Roosevelt once quoted. I love this. To those who actually step into the arena, this is what the credit should go to. Those who actually step into the arena of life, whose faces are marred by dust, sweat, and blood. 
They strive valiantly, though they come up short again and again and again. But what they know is that they have spent their life for a worthy cause. So at best, they may in the end know the triumph of high achievement. And maybe at worst, they fail. But they fail while daring greatly. I love that. I want, to, I want to be someone people can count on. How about you, really? John 15. Told you I wanted to connect some dots if you have your Bible. John 15. And I want you to look what Jesus said. This isn't Keith, okay? This isn't Paul, Peter. Okay, this is Jesus speaking. Look what he says. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. John 15, verse 1. God, he, cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Notice what God wants us to do, produce fruit. And he prunes the branches, which means you're going to be challenged. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they'll produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me. Do what? Remain in me. I want to highlight that word and every time it comes up, remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me and I am them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. It'll be granted. So that's, by the way, the key to prayer. Some of you go, well, I've asked God and he didn't give me what I want. Well, there, first of all, you really want God to give you what you want or do you want him to give you what he willed? (laughs) And then second of all, why would God listen when you don't talk and walk with him every day? He's not a genie at our request. He's God and we desperately need. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything. Verse eight, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. Now here's some dots I want to connect. I'm going to help you with. Seven times the word remain is listed in those eight verses. Seven times. Hold on to that. Seven times the word fruit is listed as well. Seven is a number in the Bible that communicates fullness, completion, and divine fulfillment. Remain, remain, remain. Fruit, fruit, fruit. Remain, remain, remain. Fruit, fruit, fruit. Remain, remain, remain. I can't fabricate fruit in my life. And if I do fabricate fruit, I'm pretty sure it has no eternal impact. But when I remain, stuff just happens. Fruit happens. Because that's what God's doing. But the key is remaining. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 1. Oh, the joys. This is David writing. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, 
Oh, the joys for those who do not stand around with sinners. Oh, the joy for those who do not join in with mockers. Nah, here's the joy. The ones who have joy, their delight is in the law of the Lord. Watch this, meditating on it day and night, again and again and again and again, remain, remain, remain. They're like a tree planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither. And in all, in all they do, they what? Prosper. And yet how often, how often are we bitten by the worldly bug, always wanting, obsessing, looking for the latest, the greatest, that which is new. We somehow think if I have the new latest graduate, things will be better in my life. If I have the new and the latest and the greatest. And yet, you know what God says? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Growth isn't novel. It's not new. It's the old, old story again and again. It's the old rugged cross over and over. God says, you don't need the latest. You need this greatest. I'm the key to growth. And yet Satan comes down and he wants us to keep moving, finding, looking, because we think it's out there. Folks, it's not out there. It's right here. The word of God we read this morning has been the exact same words for over 2,000 years. God doesn't need us to improve on it. It worked then, it'll work now. It'll work 2,000 years from now. Because his word, the Bible says, never returns void. This thing right here, look up here. There'll be a new one. A few generations from now, this will be archaic. You have what? Do you know what they make now? Don't care. This will shock you. I don't know what you paid for the newest one of these. This will blow your mind. I can still call and hear somebody. probably like your new one that now cost you more. Now I'm not trying to make any guilt, but I'd rather give rather than buying the new thing. I'd rather hang on to this because it works just fine. I don't even have internet on mine, so I can't do any surfing or anything like that. I'm doing just fine. Just want you to know that. Been married for 33 years and and uh, love and all that stuff. But here's the deal is, I'd rather, instead of buying the new and the latest and greatest, I'd rather give it to God and see what he could do with it. Just letting you know where I'm at. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Chinese bamboo tree, but listen to this. If you own one, before anything, you ready? Before anything is ever even seen, the bamboo tree, when you plant it, begins to work on its root system. In fact, there's no surface growth for quite some time. I'll help you with that. Because its root system is so important that it's pushing down and pushing out. In fact, most people who think that they want to be a gardener of bamboo trees want to pull them out. Even after its first year. Because after the first year, nothing changes. Looks as dead as dead. After its second year, looks dead. After its third year, still dead. After its fourth year, still dead. And people think, this is a waste. Here's what's funny. About its third and fourth year, if you try to go pull it out and throw it away, it's humanly impossible. You're going to be like, it's not dead. Like, what's holding it? It's root system. You ready for this? 
Year five, it grows about eight feet a day. They come flying out of the ground. Imagine if we do the same with our relationship with God. In a world that wants to talk about its fruit, maybe we need to spend time remaining and focusing on our root system and let God do what only God can do. Imagine if in 2023 or three, we remained in coming to church each week because the Sabbath matters to God. Imagine if in 2023 we remained in a life group and if you're not in, you'd get in one and make them a part of your life. Imagine if you remained at serving, came early, left late and said, who can I welcome today? Imagine if you remained in tithing or started and then remained. Imagine if you remained taking classes and if you haven't, you would start and make them count. Imagine if every day you remained in God's word before you did anything else. I can tell you what would happen and I can promise you, your life would become everything and anything beyond anything you could ever think or imagine. You ready for this? The same is true if you don't remain. Your life will become everything and anything you ever think or imagine, but it won't be good. Because you and I are not the creator. And when we think we are, it's not good. Gain the whole world, lose your soul. Here's number three, and I'm going to invite the team out. Spiritual growth requires regularity. It requires resistance. We got to be challenged and want to be challenged. It requires, if you will, that you and I remain and we let God know you can count on me. But it requires regularity, meaning we need to step in and be consistent. In fact, repeat this after me. Winners do daily. What others do occasionally. Say it again. Winners do daily. What others do occasionally. In fact, finish this. Practice makes. It's not true. Practice doesn't make perfect. I can promise you if you're more than happy to pay me. Starting tomorrow, I'm done being a pastor. I'm going to get up with a basketball and I'm going to start shooting every day. Seven days a week for the rest of my life. I will promise you. The NBA will never call. (laughs) Promise you. Perfect at what? What's perfect? Practice doesn't make perfect. You ready for this? Practice makes permanent. And you ready for this? Every day you're making something in your life permanent. The question is what? I've shared with you before a long time ago the power of reading God's word. Listen to this very carefully. If you read God's word once a week, there'll be no change in your life. Studies have proven this over and over. If you read God's word twice a week, nothing will change. If you read God's word three times a week, nothing will change in your life. But if you read God's word four days plus a week, notice one, two, three days in a day of a week of seven That's below average. But the moment you move that needle to the other side, you ready for this? Loneliness drops 30%. Bitterness drops 40%. Spiritual stagnancy drops 60%. Anger drops 32%. Getting drunk drops 57%. Viewing pornography drops 61%. 
Sharing your faith increases 228%. Discipling others increases 231%. And memorizing scripture increases 407%. The word of God never returns void. This is why we're doing these classes. And this Tuesday night, we're going to start the letter of Paul. I want to see everybody in our church, every adult, take the five basic classes. But I don't want it to be a checkoff list. We do Old and New Testament, letters of Paul. We talk about evangelism from the word of God and what it really means to be mature in Christ and all of those things. We want everybody to do that in this church. Now, some of you go, okay, but what's that require? There's the problem. As if God's word is a requirement in the sense of, what are you asking me to sacrifice? Everything? That's what God asks. It's eight weeks, eight Tuesday nights, 6.30 to 9.30 at night. Somebody goes, see, I can't do that. What's interesting, but you'll spend three hours this afternoon watching a football game. And I promise you it won't do anything to help your life grow and get better. I don't care if your team wins or not. It's just true. And I'm not anti-football. I'm watching that. But I'm here to tell you, being in the word of God in a community of believers, everybody who's been taking classes, same thing. They say, it's changed my life. Like, I don't even think I get letter after letter People walk up to me and they, they're telling me about how they're witnessing to their family and to their neighbors and to their friends at their workplace. It's just, why? It's the word of God. It just, it just changes you. It completely revolutionizes your life because you're not thinking like the world. Garbage in, garbage out, but God in, God out. It's a game changer. Is it a sacrifice? Yeah. Welcome to the challenge. Growth requires it. What's interesting is that you guys don't realize I'm the one teaching it. I'm here every time. I come early, I leave late. I'm the guy doing the instruction and no one learns more than I. I'm constantly, I don't just have notes and I kind of whip them back out. I'm constantly studying going, oh, I wish I'd have known that last time. This is, and I'm just so excited about it. It's the word of God. I can't get enough of it. The teaching, believe it or not, is more for me than it is for you. It's just like I have this discipline in my life that I have to show up and teach. And I'm just like, God, thank you for that. And it's just so fun. I love it. I cannot wait Tuesday night, start walking through Paul's letters and you'll never think the same, but you've got to step in and say, God, okay, as I've encountered you, it's time to step in and grow. It's time. A church that does that, the world will never be the same. I promise you. I can promise you the power of God's word, the power of God's word. It's powerful folks. We need to be in it so we can be of him. Amen. This is a good morning. Let me pray. Father, as we come to a moment of communion, I think to solidify what we've just heard, I can't think of a better way. That's what you asked us to do, to remember that no one was challenged more than you and experienced resistance and yet did nothing wrong. But it was in your death that we experienced life. No one modeled commitment more than you. No one modeled consistency. That's who you want us to be like, Jesus.
What a way to lift up our anthem, to make a toast, if you will. God, as you are broken, I want to be broken. As you bled, I want to bleed for the sake of something bigger than myself, that the world would know Jesus. God, I have this one small scratch life. 57 years have gone by quickly and the next will go even quicker. I have all this opportunity in the presence of you to be light in a broken world that desperately needs Jesus. God, may we recognize today the key to remaining. That's the key. When we just get into you and your word, things begin to happen. We don't have to go try to do. We just need to be in you, growing, learning. And it's crazy how you do what you said, and I will make all this happen. It's in you, God. You love us. You won't fail us. You're not mad at us. You're not down on us. Sure, so many of us have stumbled in this room. I've stumbled so many times. But it's in those moments that I have an opportunity to grow. You haven't failed me. You won't. You can't. And you won't with anyone in this room. God, may they hear how much you love them today. And that you don't want to be just Savior, but Lord. And begin to do things they can't begin to imagine. We're going to take communion, but if that's you right now saying, I really just want to grow. I want to be like Jesus. Just say these words quietly. Heart, God, I want to be like you. I want to die to me. I want your Holy Spirit to make me that new person, to become like you. God, thank you for those words and that prayer. You have your cup. No one again was more challenged than Jesus for the sake of something bigger than we could ever imagine. What a way to take communion and make this a moment that we're remembering that we want to be changed as he changed for us from death to life, right? That we get to experience that life as well. Would you take the bread? And when you take and eat it, would you say, God, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. Would you take the cup as well? And remember his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins that we would what? It's a cup of a new covenant. Today is the day the Lord has made. Doesn't matter where you've been. What matters is right now where you want to go. Amen to that. Would you take? Would you drink? God is good. And all the time. God bless you. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.